Hello and welcome to the Become What You Mean podcast. My name is Chris Rubio and I am your host. It is my great pleasure to share this inaugural episode with you. This is a conversation that I had with my friend and brother, Candyman. During the beginning of the conversation, I explained the circumstances that inspired me to make many changes in my life, including the creation of this podcast. We'll be discussing many topics, including living a lie, the physical, psychological, and existential consequences of poor dietary choices, letting go of the fear of failure, the empowerment that can come from walking an unconventional path, the value of determining your own definition of success, and the power of finding your tribe. Speaking of finding your tribe, I'd like to say a heartfelt thank you to Candyman and the Candy Fam for your love and support. You literally saved my life. That's not an exaggeration. That's a fact. Heartfelt thanks also to our brothers behind the theme song you heard at the beginning of the show, G. Martinez, Luis Diaz, and Raul Perez. These guys are brilliantly talented, but they don't need me to tell you that. The music speaks for itself, so I'll play the track again at the end of the episode. Heartfelt thanks also to my twin brothers, my business partners, my creative partners, Greg Blunt and Richard C. Fuentes. Thank you for always standing by me. Quick point of clarification here, you'll hear Greg referred to as Tricky throughout this episode. His family named him Greg, we named him Tricky. He'll be able to tell you all about himself and his journey in future podcasts, blogs, videos, and social media posts. And now, a quick word of thanks to everyone that has shown me love, support, and infinite patience and understanding through the years. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. There are simply too many of you to name, but you know who you are. To all of you, friends, family, and tribe, thank you, and I love you. With that, we transition from episode intro to a bit of business. This episode, like all of our content, is brought to you commercial and paywall-free by you. Our content is available for one and all. We believe in the value of these ideas and experiences, and we believe you will, too. We don't intend to subject you to ads or hide content behind a paywall. Instead, you have the option to set your own price through Patreon.com. If your budget allows, you can choose to set a monthly price equal to the value you feel you receive from our content. We believe this is the most honest way to do business. If you believe as we do you should become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash become what you mean to learn more about how you can support our content and keep it free from paywall restrictions and random ads. And please remember to visit becomewhatyoumean.com to find all of our content and social media links. Thank you very much for joining us. We're so glad you're here. And now my conversation with Candyman. All right, here we are. Welcome everyone. So this is episode one of the Become What You Mean project, tentatively, tentatively titled on the podcast for now. Uh, it's definitely Become What You Mean as the overall name, and we'll see if that name sticks with the podcast or if we come up with something else that we like. So I'm here in beautiful and scenic and nice and cool in mid-October here, Northern California, and I'm we're at the home, the lovely home of my my friend, my brother, my my twin brother, Candyman. Hello. <laughs> we're not we're not twins. Say say hi, Candy. 
Hey, how's it going, everybody? Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um, and so, like I said, Candyman's my friend, my brother. We go back almost 25 years at this point. Damn, we're old. Damn, we're, we're, we're super old. Speak for yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, we met our freshman year in college back in 1993 yep. at the University of Redlands in scenic Southern California. Um, and through that, that friendship kind of brings us here. I've act, Candyman's actually been gracious enough to host me for the last several months since May. So starting at the end of May and now it's October, uh, and you know, had a break in July. You guys had a break from me in July and you had a little break from me in August. And other than that, it's just been putting up with my nonsense nonstop. So thank you very much for that. Just want to kind of set the table there, the uh, set and setting. Um, and to start, I'm just going to set the table a little bit about this adventure and kind of what got us here. So as I'm teeing everything up, Candy, please feel free to ask any questions that you that come to mind. Uh, and then once we kind of get up to the jumping off point, definitely jump in and ask anything that you've been curious about over these past several months since I first called you to say, hey, I'm kind of taking things in a different direction. Will do. Thank you. Okay, so let's start off in the comfort zone. So let's go back to February of 2017 and the decade before that. I was a uh, corporate salesperson, corporate sales leader, a few different roles, call them what you want, but it was definitely a good job with a good company. Uh, I worked with really good people um, and especially my most recent situation, you know, going to February, going back to these last couple of years, was working with a really great team of people, um, working cross-functionally with people who were outside of my direct team, but people that I worked with on a daily basis that were fun, that I got along with, um, and had a really great boss that was phenomenal, totally had my back, very supportive. And so the point of all that being like, it was a comfort zone per se, but it was but it was a comfort zone, but it was also a discomfort zone. And so good job. There were you know some years are six figures, some years weren't. So financial security was good. The people around me were good. Living situation was good. In general, the situation was one that nobody would complain about. Um, but there was still an underlying discontent. There was an underlying discomfort. And that's something that had gone on for years. I think it's safe to say decades. Um, and really came to a head in February of this year. Um, and it, it had kind of been slowly building over the, the months and probably the year or two prior. But one morning in February, I just woke up and I was getting ready to, to go to work and kind of planning out my day and imagining dealing with a couple people and a couple of situations that would kind of cause some anxiety. And it just all came crashing down around me. Like I didn't 
break down, but there was definitely just a sense of overwhelming anxiety and dread for the day that I just said, I can't do it. Like, there's just no way I can go in today. Um, and so I mentioned how great my boss was, called the boss and just, and, cause he was aware that I also had health issues as well. So just called him and said, Hey, not feeling it today. Like I really need to take a day, uh, to gather myself. And I don't remember exactly how I worded, worded it, but basically the point was like, you know, you, you're aware of my issues. Like they're kind of closing in on me today. I need to take today to set, get myself straight. So he's like, totally understand, do what you need to do, very supportive. So I took, uh, that was a Thursday, took Thursday off, Friday, can't do it. Like, hey, I'm just going to need to take the weekend to gather myself. No problem. And by the time Monday rolled around, like, I just realized like, hey, this is going to take some time. Um, I haven't been able to compose myself over four days. Like, this is something that I really need to take seriously. And I alluded to some health issues. The things that I have had going on were um, I was diagnosed as a diabetic just before my 30th birthday. Um, and, and once I had that diagnosis, I realized that's something that I had been dealing with unknowingly since I was a teenager. Um, high blood pressure and obesity. And so... Those, those aspects were in a much better state over the last decade plus since my 30th birthday. You know, when, when I was diagnosed, things were really, really bad. My health was in horrible shape and I got in much better shape and then kind of backslid a little bit and all of that was closing in. So obesity, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, which my doctor was on me about, hey, I need you to understand how serious this is was a conversation that we had. Like he was on me about, you got to get the weight down. You got to get the weight down. You got to get the weight down. Um, and I was trying, but not succeeding. Um, and a big part of it was like anxiety eating, like having a stressful day, working a long day, working a 10 hour day, a 12 hour day, and just coming home and like, I, I don't have the energy for this. I'm just going to stop and get something. Um, and so that combined with the anxiety that built up over several years, it just all came to a head. Um, so the following Monday, call into the HR department, get all the relevant numbers. I need to take a leave of absence. I need to address my health. Um, and HR was totally supportive. Talked to my boss. He was totally supportive. Um, you know, got a few messages from my coworkers, people on my team. You know, hey, man, take care of yourself. Hope everything gets better. So a really, really good situation. Um and went about the process of, of, you know, kind of thinking that, okay, you know, if I take like two months off, I think that'll be sufficient time. I'll be able to, to drop some weight to get the, the glucose, you know, the blood sugar A1C down, um, get the blood pressure down, get everything manageable to the point where maybe I can pull it together and make it work and, and pull this thing out of the fire. Um, and after that two months, like it just didn't happen. Like that, I just drastically underestimated part, part of what gave me that two month time frame was going back to when I was 30 and I found out I was diabetic. I lost like 80 pounds in like nine months. 
Like, and so I was able to lose a bunch of weight very quickly. So my thought process was, okay, I lost like 10 pounds a month at that point. Let me take two months off. If I lose 20 pounds, that should make a big difference. I'll have enough momentum to kind of keep things going and right the ship. But that was 12 years prior. And I've heard people say that, you know, oh yeah, you know, they would tell me in my, in my 20s, oh yeah, when you hit 30, things slow down a little bit, man. It's not when as you easy hit as 40, things slow really down. Exa- that you're, you're ahead of me. That's exactly where I'm going. Because they were right. When you hit 30, things slow down and getting into shape is not as easy as it was when you were 20. Um, and when you hit 40, it slows way down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but that's the other thing, too, is the ego is so tricky. Like, in my head, even though I'm 42, I'm still the bull that I was when I was 22. And so, like, yeah, I know I'm out of shape. But, you know, when I get to getting the, to the gym, when I start exercising, I'll bounce back quickly. And nope. <laughs> when you're 42... That's not how it works. And I just drastically underestimated the deficit that I was in. Like, and so, yeah, that, that two-month plan, not so much. And at that point, it basically it came to a crisis point and with everything that was going on health-wise um, and also kind of the history of all those same issues of diabetes and hypertension and obesity that run through my family and seeing what happens with amputations and strokes and premature death. Um, like, and I could just feel it. Like that's what part of what brought this situation to the head to a head was there was the psychological aspect of the anxiety that I worked myself into, but there was also the physical aspects of the health. And I could just feel like if I don't turn this thing around I'll probably be dead sometime in the next two years like that. And maybe that's, maybe that was true and maybe that wasn't, but that was just a sinking feeling that I felt very strongly like this is not good and it's going to be over really quickly. And the, the next thought that occurred to me um, that basically was the deciding factor in changing my life was something that I felt for a long time that I couldn't even say for most of my life is that I want to be an artist. I'm an artist. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a storyteller. Like that's who I am. And even like it's it and when I say that, like, to me, I kind of feel like people listening to this and like eyes rolling because there's a way that, oh, I'm an artist can be such a douchey thing. Um, but like I say it to take the power of it because it was something that I was I couldn't say for so long because it seemed so impractical. But why do you think you couldn't say it for so long? Was it what other people would think? Or, yes. Or, or what, you, what you were afraid of that other people... Well, that's the same thing, I guess. Yeah. One and the same. What other people would think about you. F- fear of what other people would think and other people would say. Okay. Um, that it's something foolish. Because there's also, um, you know, people... You know, like people poke fun at... 
guys who are in their 40s and are in bands. Okay. Like, you know, people who are, you know, they're married, they've got kids, they've got responsibilities, and they're still clinging on to the dream of their youth. Like, people talk about that in a negative context. And there's ways to go about that, and especially if you have responsibilities and you're shirking those responsibilities, um, there's a way to go about that foolishly, but there's a way to go about everything foolishly. Um, and so, yeah, the, the reason I couldn't say it was absolutely a fear of what other people would say. And I think it's important here to take a step back because I've mentioned anxiety a few times along the way. Um, and I think it's important to unpack that a little bit because something that is a big contributor to anxiety, at least in my experience personally, but also in what I observe in other people kind of having the benefit of hindsight is those health issues. Like in, in particular, blood sugar issues and glucose fluctuations. You look like you have a question. No, no, I'm just listening. Okay. Um, and so like having those glucose fluctuations, the skyrocketing blood sugar or the crashing blood sugar, like, and this is something that you can attest to drastically changes my behavior. Yeah. Um, having seen it firsthand, I can definitely agree with that comment. Yeah. It makes me a totally different person. And so when it was really extreme and really out of control, my behavior was really extreme and really out of control. Um, you know, more recently it was, I was managing it better, but it wasn't good. I wasn't healthy. And so, and because I wasn't taking care of myself, because I wasn't exercising regularly, because I wasn't eating correctly, it was just a, a constant white noise in the background of feeling unwell physically, which manifested itself feeling unwell psychologically. Mm -hmm. right? And it just does. So a, a good way to give an example is if you've ever skipped breakfast and been working a long day and you're not able to have lunch until four o'clock and you're, and, and the expression that comes to that's come into the culture now is hangry. If you've ever been hangry, that's what a low blood sugar issue feels like. That's what that feeling is. That hangry feeling, your blood sugar is crashing. Um, also, if you've ever gone to an Italian restaurant and overdone it and had the giant bowl of pasta when you should have taken half of it home or had an, one more slice of pizza than you should have had, that, that feeling that we call the itis, that brain foggy kind of feeling, that's what high blood sugar feels like. And so when you, when you're diabetic or pre-diabetic and you're not taking care of yourself, you're basically in a, you're in a perpetual state of fluctuating between those two. And so that causes one level of anxiety, but the other part of it is the, especially like in my case, cause also I've talked to other diabetics and not all of them experience this way, uh, experience it this way, but there's also the dread of being in a professional environment or being in a social environment and knowing if my, my blood sugar gets away from me, I'm going to turn into an asshole. Like, and so I'm either going to become 
unprofessional or unfriendly. Like, and so there's also an additional anxiety around that. Like, it's not only am I not feeling well, but there's like an anticipatory dread of what if things go sideways blood sugar wise and I start acting like a dick. And so that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from. And then add into that, you know, now add in somebody who has a very different philosophy about how we approach work. Um, you know, my, my role was like a support role. So being in a support role and trying to support some, someone and have them telling you that you're doing it wrong when you're not, um, and have them perceive things as though you're working against them when you're doing everything that you can to help them stop working against themselves. Um, at that anxiety onto all the other anxiety that we already, already talked about. And that's where it became overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, plus let alone it's the, like you mentioned the anxiety that you want to, you knew deep down inside that you wanted to do something else from a career perspective, or you, you felt that way, but you couldn't make that change based off of what the reaction would be from people who didn't know you as well as your friends know you right. would accept you no matter what you did. Exactly. Um, and, and thank you for tying up that loose end. Cause at, when all is said and done, that is ultimately the source of everything is, is living a lie. Like that's what it is, is so I was making my living as a salesman and having what would generally be accepted as success doing it, but I'm not a salesman. I'm an artist. Like it just, so, so to, to paraphrase Jay-Z, I'm not a salesman. I'm an artist. It just so happens I know how to sell. Like, and, and I learned how to sell. And, and that's something that I told people all along the way because I would. that's something that happened a lot throughout my career was I would tend to gravitate toward people who were also misfits and weren't really salespeople. And because I, you know, I would have that kinship with them and want to teach them to be successful salespeople because I could see them wanting to do well but not being able to do well. Um, and so I would tell him like, Hey, I'm not a salesman either. Like, but I'm a train, I'm not a born salesman. I'm a trained salesman and I'm not, I don't have any kind of magic powers. If I can do it, you can do it. So let me share, let's, let me share some things. Um, but that's an irony too, is there were a couple of people where I just had to have a conversation with them. Like, Hey man, you're not a salesman. Like this is not for you. And that's not a judgment that doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes it a bad fit. And you have other talents. Pursue your other talents. And and ultimately, you know, a lot of the the couple times that it happened, people weren't initially comfortable hearing that. But ultimately, they thanked me. Like, I had a guy that it got to the point where I had to fire him. Like, and we had, a, you know, so you have that separation conversation. Um but because we had so many of those conversations, because the effort was sincere, like I fired him and he thanked me. That's super weird. <laughs> like, have you had to let people go? I definitely have let people go. <laughs> have they, has anyone ever thanked you afterward? No. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's a really weird feeling. And that's an experience that I had. And it, but it, it all stems from just the recognition of, <laughs> I'm not meant for this 
and you're not meant for this. So let me do everything that I can to help you find your way the way I was able to find my way. Um, that's a bit of a tangent. Uh, but to, so to go back, like, like really that's, that was the source of everything was, was I'm, I'm being dishonest and I'm being dishonest with myself. And if they, if this is going to, if this ride's going to be over in a couple of years, I don't want to get to the end and know that I never tried like, and that, that idea, that was the, the brain worm that ultimately led to me making the decision to quit the job and go live as an artist mm-hmm. was because imagining that realization, you know, if you have a stroke or have a heart attack and recovering in the hospital, and especially if you have a stroke and you lose mobility, fit mobility and you lose brain function and you lose access to the creativity that you feel if that's gone and you can't get it back and you, and you never tried and you know that the reason that you never tried ultimately is because of fear to me, that's hell. Like, and that's a sobering realization. Um, so that's the jumping off point. And that's where this decision got made. Like, all right, I'm going to have to really get serious about getting my health in order. And while I'm at it, I might as well go after being an artist. And, and again, (laughs) not to say that in a precious way, but to say that in a way of taking empowerment, like to say it with pride, I'm an artist. Um, and the, first people I called were Tricky, who's, we'll be meeting (laughs) in a little, in a, in another episode, uh, or maybe we've met in another episode, uh, who's joining me on the, uh, trip, who's also one of our brothers, my twin brother Tricky. Um, I think he was my first call and you were my second call and just said like, Hey, and, and help me out. Cause I think it was like, Hey, this is what I have to do. Like, yeah. Like, I, I think the decision was already made. It wasn't like, you know, hey, sh- do you think I should do this? It was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> well, yeah, I do recall the call, not not um, verbatim, but that was the gist of the call was, look at, this is what I need to do. Um, I, ne- I never at any point uh, questioned what you were, what you needed to do and what you what you're doing. Uh, if anything, it was like, oh, wow, that was cool. I think that was the, co- the conversation that I had with you. Yeah. Well, I was at work. Um, I was like, wow, that's awesome. I wish I could do something like that. Right. And I think a lot of people out there wish they could do something like that. And it's not impossible. Right. It's just understanding the priorities in life and where you are in your life and what's important to you for the continuation of living, whether it's, you know, behind the desk or whether it's, um, you know, in the back country or some other country, um, exploring and, and living, um, as compared to not living and, and being chained to a job that, you know, every day you wake up that you dread going to. Yeah. Like, and so yeah, you, you touched on several, several key points there. So, so to kind of take, try to take them one by one, um, the, the first one you, 
talked about was, you know, that you were immediately on board and that, and that was definitely the case. Like talking to Tricky and talking to you, um, you guys were both immediately on board and that's important to say because something you and I have discussed and, but something I think it's important to put on the table for the purposes of the podcast is my intention in sharing this is part of what gave me the confidence to make this leap is people who have other podcasts who have been very open and honest about mistakes that they've made, struggles they've had, and how they've gone on to be successful. Like, And because they were so forthcoming about their struggles, the, their failures, their mistakes, like that gave me the confidence of like, okay, it's not just me. Like, I'm not the only weirdo who feels this way. I'm not the only weirdo who thinks this way about the world they did too and they were able to figure it out if they can figure it out i can figure it out but see i don't think it's i don't think it's it's you're a weirdo you you may be a weirdo as, as compared to you know 90 percent of society out there because that population is choosing to do the conventional thing and you're doing something that's unconventional to most people in our society um so you're, you're not a weirdo, though. That's one thing I think everybody needs to understand is just because you have these thoughts and you have these desires to do something that's different, that goes against the grain, it doesn't make you a weirdo. That's, that's, a, that's a term that other people have put, on, have put on folks like yourself for not doing the conventional thing that, that an adult is, should, quote, should be doing in right. their lives. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's an important thing for people to hear too. And, and cause, cause when I say weirdo, like I also say it in terms of, you know, weirdos of the world unite, like let your freak flag fly. Um, but that's a decision and that's an intention because there's definitely times where I felt like a weirdo where it was very disempowering. Um, and so to your point, I think it's very important that people, that people know that like if you've been made to feel like there's something wrong with you because you don't think the way that other people think, or you don't follow the path that other people follow. Anybody who thinks that way, that's their problem. And it's really not yours. And also that's the thing that you and Tricky proved was that the people who matter aren't going to feel that way. And the people who feel that way don't matter. Like, any, anybody who feels that way is not somebody whose opinion you need to concern yourself with. And anybody whose opinion you really value, that's a true friend, a true loved one, is not going to judge you in that way. They're going to they're support you. Even if, even if they don't fully understand it at the outset, when they see that you're finally being honest with yourself and you're following your true path, they're going to support it. Um, and that's something that I found throughout because kind of, you know, I kind of rolled the decision out to, you know, kind of slowly person by person by person. Um, and with each one, there's a certain amount of hesitation about, okay, how's this going to go? Like, and, and kind of bracing myself for if it gets weird, not getting like defensive about it and not lashing out, but just. It, you know, if somebody has something negative to say about it, well, sorry you feel that way, but I got to do what I got to do. But consistently, everybody reacted the way that you reacted, which was 
I think that's great. If I had similar circumstances, I would make a similar decision. And so I think that's the next thing that it's important to unpack is my circumstances. Like, yeah, I'm 42, but speaking of an unconventional path, no wife, no kids, no mortgage, no car payment. I was in a position where I could do this. And so, hey, I'm going to quit my corporate job. I'm going to grab... <laughs> Grab my grab my twin brother Tricky, and we're gonna travel the world, and we're gonna tell the story. We're gonna document the thing, and we're gonna go out in search of meaning, and in search of all that's beautiful in the world, especially the the people and the places and the things, but especially the people. And we're gonna learn how to be filmmakers, and learn how to be story, storytellers, and try to find our artistic voice through that process, like because we're both in the circumstances where we can approach it in that very extreme way. Um, but also part of the intention in telling this story is understanding that like, because I, I feel very strongly that there are a lot of people out there. Like I know people I've, I, and I've worked with people who, and I've worked with people who are immensely talented. Like I, I, uh, worked with a girl named Tiffany, who's got an incredible singing voice and everybody should know who she is. And she doesn't have any formal vocal training. Like if she... If she got any formal vocal training to really master her vocal instrument, she could set the world on fire. I know a, a, a drummer named Jason and another guy named Lewis. Like, they're phenomenal drummers. Everybody should know who these guys are. They both, one works at a restaurant and one works at, like, a medical supply company. Uh, my buddy Greg is a phenomenal musician. He's a bassist. Like, and some, like his, his music that's coming out soon, like... One of the songs that he played played for me was so overwhelmingly beautiful, like it just brought me to tears. Like and and his musicianship musicianship is so masterful. I told him like, I hope one day to be as good a writer, to be as good a filmmaker as you are a bassist right now. Um, and so the point of all that is like there are other people out there who are working a day job who are vastly more talented than I am. Like, and these are people that everybody should know, but, but they don't have the extreme circumstances where they can just pack everything up, you know, draw inspiration from the minimalism documentary on Netflix, get rid of all their possessions, put, put everything in a backpack and go. Like I'm in that extreme situation. So I can take that extreme approach. Other people have responsibilities. They have things. They can't just throw up their hands and walk away. Um, so by sharing this story, my hope is that we can find the in insights, find the things that work, find the things that don't work and help people avoid the mistakes that we're bound to make. Uh, so that they can avoid them because they have more responsibilities than we do, but find their way to express their talent. Um, and so that's a big part of the intention of this entire project is, okay, we can approach it in this extreme way, but I've definitely found that because I mean, in, you know, this is something that you can attest to also. I kind of always approach things in an extreme way. Like I very rarely take a middle kind of path. Mm -hmm. It's all in or all out. Um, and through this process, that's what I've learned is that 
I think the unconscious reason that I approach things that way is because that's the fastest way to learn. Like if you push things to the extreme, then you learn where all the boundaries are. You learn how far is far enough, how much is too far, how much is not far enough. You learn all the boundaries, all the right and wrong approaches. And, and then from that, you can find a more moderate path. Yeah, but you have to understand you're like you said you're 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 the outlier, right? Um, but there's people who want to do those types of things, and they should feel free to do those things and not feel fr- not be afraid to make a mistake. Also, um, I think that's an important part of of what you're doing. Um, from a person who on the outside looking in, you know, I've never been afraid of making a mistake because that's how I learn and. People could look at you and say, well, dude, you're making a big mistake. How do you even know that you're going to be successful? Well, you're going to paint your own success and you're going to run into mistakes where it's an obstacle, um, but you're going to find a way to get through it. Yeah. And the, you know, the real point I'm trying to make is people who are listening should not feel that they have to go all in right off the bat. Exactly. Find your, find your, 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 your comfort zone and do what you need to do to help yourself grow whether that's through an instrument, whether that's through writing, whether that's through exercising or anything like that, I think the important part to take away here from here is you need to try because if you don't try, you're going to be in that nine to five rut when you know in the back of your mind there's something telling you that you're not happy with what you're doing yeah. in your life. And and that's the thing is like, you know, I think culturally we've all been ingrained with a fear of failure, a fear of making mistakes. But ultimately by trying and failing like so that's you know a huge advantage that you have of not being afraid of making a mistakes like because that's the right approach because like you said you learn from your mistakes like yeah it's horrible to make a mistakes if you keep repeating the same mistake and that's why people jump on people who make the same mistake again and again and again and again because mistakes are best when you learn from them but that's the thing. Mistakes are great teachers. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of making a mistake. But we, you know, I, I think it's so easy to fall into that pitfall because our culture is so geared toward success. Focus on success. Failure is not an option. Failure is always an option. Totally. Like, and, and so that's not to say be frivolous. That's not to say seek out failure. But don't let a fear of failure stop you the way it stopped me for so long. Like, and that's what it is, is once you let go of that fear of failure, then, and, and I've even like speaking of the people out there who want to do this, I've, I've got another friend who's trying to figure out his way to do something similar to break away from the pack and follow his own path. And he had that question, like, dude, aren't, don't you worry about this failing? And I told him like, well, I, I think about it. What if it fails? I don't worry about what if it fails because I can't control the outcome? Con- like control is an illusion. The only thing that I can control is my effort. So I have to be strategic and, and you know, so something that you've heard me say before is don't waste time and energy worrying about the problems you can't solve. Solve the problems you can solve. So I have to be strategic in terms of making sure the path I'm taking doesn't point off a cliff. But... Once I set my direction and know I'm not pointing off a cliff, the direction could still be the wrong direction. And I'm going to have to adjust and I'm going to have to adjust and I'm going to have to adjust. But 
I can't control the outcome and I can only control my effort. So let me just point in a direction, a direction that's in the direction of where I need to go and then make the effort to get there. And whatever the outcome is, what happens happens, but it's the experience, it's the process that are going to be worthwhile anyway. And another thing that you touched on and there was defining success. And I think that's huge too. And especially, you know, kind of as we've been talking about is everybody's got their own set of talents. Everybody's got their own intention. Everybody's got their own dream that they want to live. So it's important to define that for yourself, to understand it for yourself. And that's part of where the anxiety and all the poor health and everything was coming from for me was not clearly defining my intention. Like, it, you know, a way I've said that is my life became something I never intended because I never set any intention. And so now I have an intention. Like, I'm going to go out, push myself outside the comfort zone, explore and discover as much as I can. And through that, become my intention and become what I'm meant to be as I understand it. Um, so going to that idea of defining success... Like there's, here's another idea that I got from somebody else that to me is very empowering that I hope everybody else finds value in also is, uh, and it came from Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle was on, um, inside the actor's studio and it was right after the, uh, the end of Chappelle's show. So there's the end of Chappelle's show, Chappelle disappeared. And then I think like a year later was on inside the actor's studio when that show was still really big. Um, and he talked about when he was making the leap. So he was a young comic. He was in Washington, D.C., where he grew up. And he was going to go to Hollywood to make it. And he was talking to his dad, who's a professor. Like, his parents are both professors. His parents are brilliant, as Dave is brilliant. Um, and so, you know, talk about the risk of judgment and the risk of failure. Like, hey, two of the most erudite, intellectual people in the country. Hey, I'm going to go be a silly person for a living. Um, you know, what, what kind of risky conversation is that? Um, but what his dad said for him was, you know, Hey son, you're going out there to make it. You're going to Hollywood. You're going out there to make it and you might not make it. And his dad wasn't saying that as like, therefore you shouldn't go, but he was, because he's in a, you know, a, a savvy experienced person go with your eyes open. Like, don't go blindly thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to make it because that's, because I'm going out there. Therefore it's going to work out. Like you're going to go out there and you might make it and you might not make it. And both are possible. And, and if anything, if we look at the percentages, not make it is the higher percentage. Like, so if you're going to go, go, but go with your eyes open. Correct. Go knowing those things. Um, and Dave's response to that was, and he even said, like, the way he said it, like, he was a little bit, you know, kind of cocky young guy about it, but depends on what you mean by make it, Dad. And the way Dave looked at it was, okay, you're a teacher. I think if I can make a school teacher's salary being a comedian, I think that's better than being a teacher. And his dad said, well, if you can keep at that attitude, you should go. And there again, in the culture ingrained in success, 
Like, and, but that's a very Dave Chappelle, like breaking it down to simplicity way to view that. Cause when we think of success, we think of the outliers. We think of extreme success. We think of Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and Tom Brady, Joe Montana. We think of the outliers. We think of the most extreme forms of success, but what is success? And, and defining it that way for me is if, if I can make a salesman's salary being an artist, for me, that's better than being a salesman. Nothing against salesmen because that's the other part of it. Like that's part of, that was part of the discontent is most of the people that I worked with were perfectly happy in that work environment because there was nothing to complain about. We worked with good people. We made good money. We had good benefits. It was a good situation and that made most people perfectly happy, but I wasn't happy the way they were happy. And this is why it's the dishonesty of, but if I can make a salesman salary being an artist for me personally, that's better than being a salesman. And when you define success that way, yeah, like I don't need to go out and become a millionaire doing this. I just need to be able to afford to keep doing this to do this. Yeah. I think, I think society has such a way of putting a dollar figure on success or a dollar sign as the, you know, as the S. Um, And I think that is where people tend to focus on. But if you define your own success, you know, having an Instagram follower of following follower (laughs) population of, you know, 1 million, 2 million, whatever it is, um, maybe that's going to make you successful in your eyes. And that's perfectly fine. And, you know, my, my main problem is just the way society tends to put a dollar sign um, when it comes to defining how people are successful. Um, and that's, that's a shame because it, it kind of it limits the people like yourself who are artists or who want to do something different and go against the grain to actually venture out and explore that because they're so afraid of not being successful or, um, you know, Dave Chappelle's dad took a different approach. He said, go ahead and do it, but go with your eyes open. Um, people are so quick to say, oh, you're never going to be successful. Right. Well, dad or mom or whoever, what does successful mean? Because that individual going out and seeking that, it may mean waking up every day and enjoy doing what you're doing. Enjoy meeting the people and writing and doing podcasts and stuff like that. That could be successful to a lot of the artists out there. Whereas people tend to say, well, you're not making enough money to even pay your rent. But guess what? I'm not on drugs. I'm not doing anything physically to harm myself or anybody else. And I'm connecting with people and helping people experience, whether it's on podcasts, whether it's through video or whatever the the medium is, I'm helping people see that there's a difference out there um, compared to just going and doing, you know, nine to five behind the desk job or or whatever it's going to be because so many people don't have... um, uh, they don't have the the security themselves, I guess, to go and take this leap of faith. Like, look at, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. I don't want to be, um, a you know, a, a whatever a white collar worker or whatever it is yeah. going to be. Yeah. Well, and and those are great points. And and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I I think I think kind of what you're driving at, and I think it's very valid is. And I, and I, and I think it's, 
it plays right into the approach that we have for that we have for this project, and I think it definitely bears stating is is asking those questions because you're talking about defining success. So, what does success mean to you, really? Without a doubt, that's my that's my point. I'm trying to drive is what does it mean to to the individual who wants to be successful or who wants to do something different. Don't let somebody else decide how you're going to be successful. I think you should make you should you should drive that decision on your own. Yeah, um, I'm a firm believer on that. Um, you know, I don't let. <laughs> you know, a lot of people tend to tend to seek the approval of of people around them, um, and I think that's 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 not the way I operate. So I don't really have people or or, or kind of like look to people to seek their approval of what I'm doing. Um, that's never been the way I've operated and it's never going to be the way I'm operated. Um, so I guess that's the struggle a lot of people have is they're so worried about what other people are going to think mm-hmm. like yourself. And you were saying that you were, you were, you were afraid or you weren't, you were hesitant to tell people about what you really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that limits people. And again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking a lot about the limitations of, of, of having people um, be bound by what others think. And that's important, though, because I think so much of society is that way. And I'm a very, I'm the type of person, and you've known me for a very long time, where, you know, I, majority of the time, I really don't care what other people think. Uh, I'm a, I'm a white-collar professional, so when I'm in a business environment, I, I am very professional in what I do. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't have a problem um, stating my opinion in a tone that's professional. I will challenge people to, to think differently about what they do. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not bound by having to, to bite my tongue because I'm worried about what somebody else is going to think about what I said. As long as you deliver it in an articulate way and you're able to have um, a mutual respect between how you're delivering it... Um, I think that's the important thing, at least from, from my perspective. And I'm getting kind of sidetracked, but the big thing that I'm trying to stay focused on is not being bound by worrying about what other people are going to think of you. That That's absolutely, and, and I would say that's not a sidetrack at all. I think it's because there's a lot of nuance there, and I think it bears unpacking because, you know, you mentioned the fact that you're not beholden to the opinions of others, and that's something that's been consistent from the day that we met. And I think that's, that was a bond that we shared initially. And so that's why I think it's worth unpacking because as with so many things, there's a spectrum and the people listening to this are going to fall at different points on the spectrum. And so at one end of the spectrum, you only concern yourself with you, you know your priorities, you know your intention, you know what success is to you, you know what's important to you. And based on those values, you can make your decisions regardless of uh, the opinions of people who don't ultimately matter for you. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I don't want people to think that I don't listen to people's opinions because I do. Right. I, I totally take other people's opinions and considerations into play. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying is I don't, I don't hold back on saying something or thinking a certain way. Right. Once I once I pull all this data in and process it, if I still feel strongly to, 
that I want to do something or react a certain way or say something, I'll do that. And, and thank you for unpacking that because I, I think that's something that's frequently lost in conversations about these kinds of ideas is the nuance. And so there's the nuance. So you're not beholden to the opinions of others, but at this, you can simultaneously respect the opinions of others. Correct. Um, and give them their due. And also along the spectrum, also adding the nuance to it. So when you and I first met, neither one of us were beholden to the opinions of others. Um, and I think it's important to go back to that too, because again, with me always taking the extreme route, a path that I took that down was basically sticking it in everybody's eye. And so you, to your point, like there's not being the hold, beholden to the opinions of others, but still being respectful. And there's not being beholden to the opinions of others. And hey, you can go fuck yourself, which is a, a route. I, I think both of us dabbled in that in our, in our youth. Yeah, but we dabbled in it because we were immature. Absolutely. At least from my perspective. Absolutely. I was, I was you know. Definitely from my perspective. You know, yeah. Late but, teen, early 20s. Very mature. Yeah. About, about, um, about that type of, of, of taking people's thoughts or opinions because me being so young, I was like, okay, I, I, I know how to do this. You have to, you have a certain amount of, uh, uh, humbling that you go through from your, right. you, you know, early twenties all the way through to where, where we are today in our early forties. So it took us 20 years to, to get here, some faster than others. But at the end of the day, uh, I can honestly look back and say that was, a, that was immaturity on my end. And, and for myself as well. And, and that's what it is, is taking like, a, I don't care what you think and therefore you can go fuck yourself approach is, of course, immature. But I promise you that there are people who were here, will hear this that take it that same route. There will also be people who take it the route of... I'm not beholden to the people's opinions, but I can respect their, opinion, their opinions and give them their due. There will also be people who care so much about pe other people's opinions that it stops them from living the life that they want to live. And that's what it was. Like, again, with, with the extreme, so I was at the extreme of, you can go fuck yourself, I don't care what you think. And then experiencing that humility, realizing that doesn't work. It's not a good approach. You're not going <laughs> to... You're not going to find your tribe. You're not going to have anybody who wants to spend any kind of time with you if you take that approach. So the court, so going to the other extreme was, okay, let me try. I tried not giving a flying fuck about what other people think. Let me try caring about what other people think. And it's, it's interesting that you're bringing this up and we're talking about this topic right now because an hour ago we were talking about adaptability. Yeah. And, and you survive by adapting to your environment. And I'm not talking about conformity because right. to me, that's those are two totally different things. Right. Adaptability to me in this context is look at, you can't tell people to go fuck off your entire life because you're right. not going to have that tribe. You're not going to feel a uh, part of earth. You're not going to feel part of a community. Of, of community. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's just important 
important to understand conformity versus adaptability. And then it's interesting that we're talking about, and at the end of the day, we're talking about adapting. Yeah. So. And, and that's what I love about the podcast format is that you can have a conversation that's long enough that you can discuss the nuance because something that I think that we can all witness in a social media driven culture is that's what's lost is nuance. Like it's all or nothing recreational outrage and going from like lynch mob mentality to lynch mob mentality to lynch mob mentality. And it's just kind of dodgeball. Like you just got to hope that it, it never points at you. Like, cause there's no like, well, I, but I didn't mean it that way. Like this was taken out of context. Like, Nope, context is not allowed. You said this and we're not allowed to use this word or this phrase or say things in this way. We're going to assign the intention for you and we're the judge and jury. You're a piece of shit. Like, and so that's a little bit of a tangent, but, but the point being nuance is lost. Context is lost. Intention is lost. And especially 140 characters at a time. But with the podcast format, that's the great thing is... You know, there's a couple of times where we've clarified, well, I mean to say it this way, and here's the context here, and here's the context there. Um, And I think it's something that's valuable to bring back is context, intention, nuance. Um, And and speaking of conversation and the changes in conversation, like that's something that we've discussed lately too is how conversation has become competitive, but we're having a conversation that's collaborative. It's an exchange of ideas and we have two very different perspectives. You said it, you're a white collar professional and, and you're in a white collar profession and you love what you're doing. You don't have any of the discontent that I had in a similar kind of realm. And so that's what I find to be the valuable dynamic. That's why I wanted to have this conversation with you is... We're friends. We view a lot of things the same way, but we view many things differently. And so by having you bring an analytical business-like perspective to to the conversation, some segment of people hearing this will relate to that by me bringing a more intuitive, emotional, artistic sensibility to the conversation. Some people are going to relate to that. And and nobody's going to line up exactly with either one of us. There's a spectrum all along the way. And so all of that nuance is valuable. All of that context is valuable. All of the intention is valuable. And also the fact that, you know, how many places can you go other than podcasts where people can have an extensive conversation and it's not, it's collaborative and not competitive. You're not trying to win the conversation. I'm not trying to win the conversation. We're trying to gain a higher understanding by exchanging ideas. You're going to come away with a slightly different perspective than you came to the conversation with. And I will too. Even though these are ideas that we've talked about previously, we, we're still talking about them in a new context and with, with more nuance, with more highly defined intention. Um, and as people are going out, pursuing their own endeavors and finding their tribe and finding that support system around them, I think 
it's valuable to be able to bring that to the table too. When you're working with people, when you're collaborating with people, are you approaching it as a collaboration and not a competition? Oh, I need to get my way. My ideas need to win. I need to be in control of the situation. Um, because it's something that's such a part of our culture, it's, it's easy to get sucked into the flaws of that mindset. Um, so that, that's kind of a tangent, but I think all those ideas will become relevant. So, so going back to the questions, and because I, I think that's something that's very val- valid for this project is, um, you know, hey, if you're coming here for answers, you came to the wrong place. If you're coming here for questions, we've got you covered. And because because going back to that individuality, going back to that unique expression, the answers are going to be personal to everyone. It's the questions that are much more valuable. So how do you define success? What does success mean to you and not to anyone else? What is your intention? How is it that you want to live life? What are your priorities? What's most important to you? What's second most important to you? What are things that you're treating important that are not important to you at all or almost not at all? I think those are the questions that are valid. And the more each person can honestly answer those questions for themselves, the more readily each person is able to find their own path, the more readily they're able to find that success, the more readily they're going to be able to, regardless of their circumstances, the responsibilities, the obstacles, the challenges, they'll be able to navigate all of those things by understanding their intention, their priorities, um, their own definition of success. They'll be able to navigate those things and ultimately find their way there. We don't have those answers for you. Those answers are your own, but we've got plenty of questions for you. Um, and we talked about the community aspect of it. Like that's one of those things. So calling tricky and cause, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Do you want to join in? And it was a maybe like that sounds pretty good, but maybe I can do it. And maybe I can't like, and, but being able to call you and you saying like, Hey man, you can crash up here until you figure it all out. Like speaking of the questions, like I think that's something, especially if you're in the kind of mindset mindset that I was in a few months ago, it's easy to be blind to, or to forget all the people that you have around you that have your back, that are part of your community, that add value to your life because you add value to their life. It's so easy to forget those things. It's so easy to be blind to those things and look, focus on all the obstacles and realize that, or, and not realize that you have people that are willing to give you a boost and help you get all those obstacles. So especially for people who are out there who are in a similar situation where, you know, they're trying to figure out their own way, look around you because 
more than likely the universe has put people into your life that have the talents, the skills, the resources, the love, the sense of community, all of the things and, and the willingness to help you get where you want to go. Um, and cause that's a bond that like you and I have had since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Tricky and I have had since day one. And, and, and speaking of that, so, you know, you've been, you've allowed me to be your guest for several months. Tricky's coming along on the trip. I called my buddy Greg and our friend Jesse, and they're helping us out with music. Like, and, like, there's so many people that come into play and our our buddy Rich, who designed our logo and does all of our artwork, who's our business partner, um, like there's so many people that come into play that help you get where you want to going, where you want to go. Like you know, there's those things that become cliche, but they become cliche because they're true. Like you know, there's that meme that you see going around that always has lions on it, and if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. Like. That's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. Like, so who, speaking of the questions, who are the people around you that have those talents, that have those abilities, that have the skills, the resources, the know-how, the willingness to help you get where you want to go? Because maybe you know who they are and maybe you don't, but ask the question and look around because there probably are those people around you who are able to add value to your life and want to add value to your life because you're already adding so much value to theirs just by being who you are. And then once you sent the intention of, you know, hey, I want to do as much as I can to help you get where you want to go. And can you please help me get where I want to go? the exchange just happens very naturally and you get there together. So there's that aspect that find your tribe. Like that's such a big element. And in terms of making the change, like that's been a big part of it too. You know, when I talk about feeling like a weirdo, feeling like a bit of an outsider, like that's what it is. Is part of it was trying to myself trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Like, and not realizing, like, yeah, I need, like, weirdos of the world unite. <laughs> like, the freak party needs to stand together. Like, not realizing, like, hey, yeah, like, I'm, there's a large percentage of people that I don't fit in with. Let me find the other people who don't fit in because I generally find that I get along well with those people. And once I was intentional about that, about that idea of find your tribe and spend more time with those people and spend more, invest more energy in those people, the more we started to come together and the more, and, and I'm seeing it like they're moving in the direction that they want to go in. And, you know, they already know they've got all my support and anything I can do to help them. They absolutely have it just the same way that they've supported me. So I think, uh, we we can probably start winding it down, but I think, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of good ground and 
hopefully the uh, the conversation has had a good flow to it because our intention is we want it to be very conversational. Um, we want it to be very natural, but also, you know, the key thing is, as we said, you know, there are, we know there are other people out here, out there who feel the same way. And the intention is for them to draw a sense of empowerment, to take permission for themselves, to do the things that they want to do, to go after the things that they want to go after, um, by finding their own specific answers to those questions is, What's important to you? What's your definition of success? What are your priorities? Who are the people around you that can help you get there? Uh, and if you find those answers, you're well on your way. Um, Just real quick, um, yeah. you mentioned travel with you and uh, Tricky. Yeah. Uh, where are you guys headed off to? What's that look like? Uh, so initially it's Iceland. Um, and then it's a lot of playing it by ear. Like the, the intention so far is, uh, Iceland and then probably the UK, probably, um, Ireland, Scotland, possibly England, um, and then mainland Europe. Um, and then we'll see where it goes, goes from there. We're like, we have lots of spots that we want to hit South America, uh, Spain, Greece, Italy, uh, Thailand, New Zealand, uh, the Cook Islands. There's lot, lots of places that we want to hit. And so it's just a, man, a, uh, a matter of managing the seasons. Because, uh, you, you know, you've heard, you've heard me say this. We're in pursuit of the endless, not summer. Like there's the surfers out there who are looking for the endless summer. We don't like hot weather. So when we're in pursuit of the endless, not summer. So we're starting in Iceland in October. <laughs> <laughs> Whether that's wise or not, we'll find out. Um, and then, right. yeah, Ireland, Scotland. And so um, as you're hearing this right now, go check out the website. It's becomewhatyoumean.com. We've got links to all of our social media accounts there. You'll be able to find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Medium for uh, blogs, etc., so however you like to get your information, definitely subscribe on YouTube. However you like to get your information, check us out on your favorite platforms. Definitely check us out on Patreon. And if you have the uh, means and the inclination to uh, support us there, by all means, please do. Um, and there should be plenty of content coming your way because that's a big part of the point of this endeavor as we uh, pursue the life of artists is to share as much as we can via photography, videography, podcast, blogs, etc. Awesome. It's been great. Yeah, hey, thank you so much for uh for sitting down with me. Um, you know, and I knew I knew you would bring a great perspective to this and you definitely did. Um and hopefully uh everybody out there has found value from your perspective or from mine. And if you did, stay tuned, subscribe to the uh, podcast because we've got plenty more coming your way. Awesome. With that, any last words for the people, Candy? Not much. You may be hearing me. I'm not going to say you will, but you may be hearing me on location at some fabulous destination <laughs> uh, at some point in the future. So look yeah. forward to, uh, to talking a little bit more in the future. All right. And with that, we bid you a fond farewell. Peace. And much love to you.